well, we're still authentic by uncovering what a personal brand is. You know, I'm not a big fan of the phrase building a personal brand mm -hmm. because that sounds like an artificially created construct. Right. The brand is within you. The goal is to pull it out. Who are you authentically? What are your core values? What makes you unique? What is your brand story that's different than unique? Pulling out all those things. What are the things you want to be talking about? What is authentic again to you? Once all that is built, all of those different aspects and concepts, then you take that and create, a, a, could be a social media plan, but could be just a marketing plan that communicates who you are at scale. But first it's figuring out who you are. Building a personal brand and covering a personal brand is an exercise in introspection. And a lot of people don't like that. This is Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, with Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello, and welcome to the 24th episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week, I have with me Marina Bejanova. She is a Soviet-born, Ukraine-raised, Canada-based entrepreneur whose mission is to scale the reach of people's voices. She's the co-founder of a personal branding agency called Brand of a Leader, which is how I encountered her. And Marina has been quoted and referenced in such publications as Inc.com, Forbes.com, Fast Company, Success Magazine, Wall Street Journal, and The Financial Post. She has spoken to audiences of entrepreneurs and business executives in North America, Asia, Europe, and the Middle East, all over the world. And Marina is a proud member of the Entrepreneurs' Organization and is presently the Canadian social media expert serving on the Regional Board of Directors. Marina is super passionate about her views of personal branding and the authentic voice, and she has a lot to share from her background and her journey. And so I'm really excited to share with you her knowledge and wisdom, and I hope you learned something. So here she is, Marina Bejanova. Yeah, so how are you doing? Doing very well. Um, it's busy now. It's definite contrast with summer. You know, everything slows down in the summer. You feel it's gonna be slow forever. Um, and then you're reminded in September that it's all back. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Good. Yourself? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I just returned back to LA from being on the East Coast for a little bit. So getting back into the mode of fall, I suppose, and finding a schedule and routine. Yeah, um, it's, always, it's always a change and right. And then you have to click back into it and kind of, you know, figure out your flow. Like a seasonal change. One of the first things that I usually ask because we're talking about our inner voice and authenticity is when was the first time that you remember discovering that you had an inner voice of your own and that it was completely your own. And it could be from your childhood or a later point in your life, however your memory serves you. Do you have a moment that reflects that for you? I really do. Um, you know, the first time I remember realizing that I have a voice inside that is being suppressed and that I'm not uh, allowed to um, let out was when I was uh, probably middle school. So I don't remember my exact age, but it was 
back in school, um, I was born in the Soviet Union and uh, I was growing up in post-Soviet Ukraine and uh, it was the land of ultimate censorship. So we were supposed to say certain things but not say other things. Um, if I expressed my opinion that differed from that of a teacher, my grade would be lowered. And, um, you know, if I would ask the teacher, you know, is it, um, did I not uh, defend my point? Did I not argue it well enough? No, no, you did a great job, but I just don't agree with you. We don't say those things. And so I, I remember having that dichotomy between what I wanted to say and what I could say, and that concept of the inner voice uh, really quite early on. Yeah. And so your inner voice seemed to perhaps contrast the environment that you grew up in. And when were you able to release that? You know, it took so many years. Um, the first time I was on a plane, I was 16 years old, and we were moving from Ukraine to Canada. Um, I remember looking down at the clouds under the plane and thinking, oh my God, my life is never going to be the same. And so I was 16 years old, but I was so acutely aware um, of this feeling of there's no censorship here. I'm in Canada now. Democracy, like I kid you not. I, like, I would walk around and think democracy, right? Like I can release my voice. And I was wrong because I was, um, well, I was an immigrant. My mother tongues were Russian and Ukrainian. And although I studied English throughout my, my childhood, uh, my English was quite rough. I could understand very well, but when I spoke, nobody could understand anything. So a lot of just like people looking at me and like, what is she saying and confused. And so again, I felt, well, I had a voice technically, but I didn't really want to speak up because I, I felt and people would look at me like a weird and I'm not the same as everyone else. And I just wanted to fit in and kind of hide and be in the background um, so that, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be unfairly how it felt to be judged. Um, so continue suppressing it. It took very many years. Um, I would say probably in my later 20s when I felt, you know, I, I have a voice. It's important for me to use that voice. It's important for me to feel that I'm radically authentic and that I'm scaling the reach of my voice and I'm going to do it. And then I did a lot of work to be comfortable doing that. So how did you get from Ukraine to Canada? Was there a reason why your family moved? And were they supportive in your journey of finding your own voice? Or were they still tied to the environment that they grew up in? Such interesting question. So we came to Canada because, um, well, my elder sister was moving to Canada and uh, she wasn't underage, so she could just uh, leave. Um, and then my parents uh, realized that I needed a better place to be growing up. There was a lot of corruption um, back in Ukraine at the time. So to give you an example, if you were a university student, and this happened to my sister uh, every term, um, uh, professors would come into class it wasn't all professors but it was majority and say if you want an a on the exam it's 50 dollars. if you want the b it's 40 dollars. c passing grade 30 dollars. or you can try on your own that was normal right so like what what are your values how are you growing up um, my dad tried starting a business um, as soon as it was allowed as soon as ukraine became independent in the early 90s but he was in software. And as soon as he would release anything, the black market would release it the next day for a dollar. So that sense of corruption, that sense of you know lack of the values that we were looking for, and things have improved tremendously. And I have to say, I'm so proud of my, my homeland. Um, but at the time, that's what it was. And so my parents wanted a better life for me, and they decided to make the difficult decision of, uh, of us moving. Were they comfortable with me finding my voice? Um, Huh, interesting question. Um, they definitely for many years, my mom especially, would say, 
well, you don't have to. Like, did you have to say that? Or did you have to? Oh, you did it. Oh, did you have to? Of course, they were proud of me once I made it on television and was quoted in, ma- in magazines and right. journals and publications and having found my voice that way. Um, but they always had this hesitation of uh, don't say too much. Don't stick out too much. Yeah. So I'm curious because there was a language barrier at first when you moved to Canada. Because of that, were you more in tune with your inner voice and was something guiding you along the way to help you make decisions because of that barrier? Um, No, I think quite the opposite. I think I felt ashamed and I felt insecure. And this was not something I was comfortable feeling because I grew up feeling, you know, quite comfortable with myself. And I was, you know, um, star student of my school and I was a chess champion and I won some Ukrainian championships. So, um, I mean, I had friends, you know, I, I, I felt quite good about myself, I guess, at least externally, right? Because then, uh, if, if you feel very good about yourself internally, then likely that can be shaken. But that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we came to Canada and all of a sudden um, I had a language barrier, I would say things and people would snicker or laugh or feel confused. I developed complexes and big chips on my shoulder. And so those were crippling rather than um, allowing me to be in tune with who I am and what, what I want to be doing. In retrospect, they gave me a lot of growth. They gave me a lot of resilience gave me a lot of internal fight but did they give me internal clarity that you're asking about I would say no likely shadowed um, because I was so fixed and fixated on the chip on the shoulder that I was carrying around with me if I'm really honest yeah what was the journey like I've I've looked at your posts and you said that in the past like no one thought that you could even do public speaking and now that's kind of your career so what were the steps that got you from that mindset of not being able to do it to now thriving with it? So quite complex. Um, So number one, I felt that I had to. I feel that I have to. I feel, you know, Whitney, one of my core values is censorship is evil Um, for obvious reasons I shared (laughs) with you. And also my father's Jewish. There was a lot of censorship around that. That's why I have my mother's unpronounceable last name. Um, They didn't want uh, people to know that we're Jewish. So they gave my sister and me my mom's last name. And um, so um, when I um, came to Canada and when I started building my career, just always felt I am self-censoring and I have to speak up. There are things that are important to me. I also started noticing how many people in North America self-censor. So aren't censored, but also censor each other. How many women especially will struggle with imposter syndrome, with who am I too? Who wants to listen to me? What do I have to say that's valuable? All those different things. And so I realized how important it was for me to speak up but also to inspire just because it could just I can speak and people listen and just how can this be so just this you know feeling of a child um, that, that was never fulfilled when I was younger but also seeing that I'm able to inspire other people to do the same and especially other women so first of all every time I would have self-doubt in moments of serendipity, I would always get a message from a woman I don't know that would say, you know, I (laughs) wanted to let you know that I heard you speak here or I watched your video here and you inspired me to try and do the same. And I was in my head, but but now I will. And to me, that's my why. My why is to inspire people to find their voice and skills reach. So the why why fueled me. But it was not enough because first of all, in university, because of my thick accent, there was always a lot of laughing and snickering every time I was doing a presentation. And then even as an adult, when I started building a career as a public speaker, 
I had somebody send me a message, somebody who attended one of my talks, send me an email uh, telling me that I shouldn't do that again, <laughs> essentially telling me that <laughs> I had other strengths and I should just focus on them. And very impartial, like wasn't even like some angry person that could be like sexism or that's why. No, he was really well mean and his points kind of made sense. And um, I wanted to crawl into a hole and, you know, just like not come out because I was so ashamed to make two days of crying and really dwelling on that. But then I said, listen, um, everybody starts somewhere and I'm just going to learn. So I invested a lot of time in improving and perfecting my public speaking, listening to myself, learning from that, reading books, watching videos. I'm going to a speaker's training boot camp in a couple of weeks and doing five days of immersive training. So I think that when we're fueled by a strong why, by a strong reason, we can master anything. But then, of course, we have to put in the work and actually master it, which is which is what I've been working on. Right. Did you have um, anyone as a mentor or an inspiration to help you along that way? Or was it something that you did completely on your own? Um, so many people around me that would hear my story and say, this is a story worth sharing and what you're doing has meaning and you inspired me. So those things, um, again, that external validation that we say, you know, we shouldn't need, we should just be completely motivated by what's inside. We're all trying to get there. But until then, that external validation is absolutely priceless. Um, so as far as motivation, that's where I always draw my motivation from is people telling me that what I'm doing and what I'm saying carries meaning. And then all of the learning came from all of the coaches, trainers, TED uh, speakers, and just watching incredible amounts of TED videos and feeling I'm never going to do it that well. I remember watching one and this woman was speaking with me and she was just, you know, one of those perfect public speakers. You're like, how is that possible? And she like looked so impeccable. Like everything was just impeccable. And she spoke impeccable and I kept thinking how but I'm never going to be like that like I still trip on my words and forget expressions and I like, get confused or like laugh out of turn or like something happens spill something in myself I'm never going to be perfect like that so like why try if I'm never going to be like that and then at the end of that talk that I was listening to I was like hold on a second what did she talk about and then I was like, I can't remember what you spoke about. Like, she delivered it so perfectly, but I guess it wasn't a punch. So I, I was thinking, you know what? So maybe I won't be perfect like that, like in the, that definition of perfection, but I'm going to be speaking from the heart. I'm going to be driven by a true mission. And hopefully I'm going to be impacting people and they will be remembering what I said, maybe not how I said it or how I looked when I said it, but what I said. And perhaps that is my way of delivering a strong talk. Yeah, so because it's not like extremely 100% like perfection polished, people have something to focus on of what you're actually saying instead of having a filtered delivery, which I want to bring up too, because you work with personal branding. And so it's interesting, your opinions on censorship, because I feel like a lot of people who develop a personal brand feel like they do need to censor themselves in many ways. So what is your philosophy on that and how do you approach personal branding? Um, that's also a great question because yes, there are a lot of misconceptions around what we say specifically on social media when we start building a personal brand. And then there are two camps of people. People feel that they should opine on everything because they're building visibility. And then people who feel that they don't want to be opining on everything and what 
should I be talking about, right? And then both groups of people kind of get crippled and not sure where to proceed. So um, first of all, I'm extremely anti-censorship, but it does not mean that I believe that we should all be talking about every little thing that comes to mind. I do not believe that at all. Um, so what is a personal brand, first of all? A personal brand is a set of our unique characteristics it's what makes us us, right? Our values, our beliefs, our also opinions, our personality, rendered into a differentiated story. So like our unique brand story, our narrative, with the goal of positioning ourselves as a thought leader or expert in the minds of our target audience, right? So if the goal is to position ourselves as a thought leader or expert, then we need to be building our, our personal brands, not around our opinions about, I don't know, COVID or vaccines, which is a popular topic of opining on these days. We should be building our brands around our areas of expertise. What are we experts in or what are we working on becoming experts in? So that's number one. Then a personal brand that only focuses on expertise or thought leadership runs the risk of becoming a bit dry or boring. So we do need to choose two buckets, two content pillars that humanize the brand, right? They take that credibility and humanize it. But we only choose one or two, Whitney. And then we stay in those lanes. In that lane, we can talk about whatever. So if we are always talking about those topics, so one or two on thought leadership or expertise side, and one or two on the side of humanizing our credibility, if we're always talking about those, then we can talk about anything. There are no limits. For example, if you're building your personal brand and one of the topics you're really passionate about is health and wellness, and you always talk about health and wellness, well, it's only normal you're gonna talk about the pandemic and your opinions and your views because you've always talked about it. If I never did, my pillars that humanize my brand are immigrant life, no surprise, and struggle of the juggle is what I call it. If I all of a sudden start talking about um, the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic, it kind of makes no sense. I'm diluting my brand. And that's where it's not a question of self-censoring. Self it's a question of all of a sudden not being on brand, talking about things that I don't normally talk about. We've seen that a lot with uh, DNI, right? We saw all of a sudden people who always talked about DNI, it made sense for them to talk very loudly about Black Lives Matter and everything that was going on. But people who just suddenly jumped on the bandwagon and started capitalizing on it being a hot topic, it's not a question that they should have self-censored, it's a question that they should have been on brand and continue talking about topics that they normally talk about. I see. So what advice would you have for those who are trying to build a brand? and remain authentic and not get caught up in the filtered world of social media? So advice number one is to disconnect um, the two concepts. Personal brand and social media are completely disconnected, okay? So it does not take social media to build a brand. It doesn't even take social media to market a brand. We know a lot of thought leaders that are um, known for their books, their talks, their maybe podcasts, different things, and they're barely on social media, right? So social media and, and the brand or even marketing and the brand mm -hmm. are two completely different things. What happens is that usually people will jump into self-marketing, create posts, create content, do video, just random things on random platforms, and then either feel this is leading nowhere, why am I doing this, and like all the self-doubt, this is not working for me. It's because you started marketing before you figured out the brand. Okay. Your question is, how do we stay authentic? Well, we stay authentic by uncovering what a personal brand is. 
You know, I'm not a big fan of the phrase building a personal brand mm -hmm. because that sounds like an artificially created construct. Right. The brand is within you. The goal is to pull it out. Who are you authentically? What are your core values? What makes you unique? What is your brand story that's different than unique? Pulling out all those things. What are the things you want to be talking about? What is authentic again to you? Once all that is built, all of those different aspects and concepts, then you take that and create a, could be a social media plan, but it could be just a marketing plan that communicates who you are at scale. But first it's figuring out who you are. Building a personal brand and covering a personal brand is an exercise in introspection. And a lot of people don't like that. Most people, by the time they come to me to brand of a leader and they say, I'm ready, let's do it. Let's work on my personal brand. They mean, what's my social media strategy? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, we're going to work on that. And I'm going to tell you whether there is a social media strategy or it's other types of marketing in eight weeks. It takes us eight weeks to figure out your brand. People go, yeah. what? What are, what are we going to be doing? <laughs> and we do a deep dive. We do a lot of introspection, a lot of reflexivity. Eight weeks later, everybody's really happy to have done it. And then the decision comes, well, what do you do now? You figured out your brand and how do you market it? But you become, a, you remain authentic by figuring it all out first. Wow. That seems very opposite of what many people do. And so that's a testament to you and what you're doing to really find the authenticity and then highlight that. That's incredible. If someone would like to work with you, what would that process look like? Um, it's a deep dive, right? So as I mentioned to you, it's eight weeks of a deep dive. Um, I do that work one-on-one -on -one with clients and uh, we really, we talk about everything. We talk about childhood, we talk about core values, we talk about the most important beliefs, we talk about how they want to be perceived, how they don't want to be perceived. That's really important too, right? Um, what all those things mean. And then we develop personal brand guidelines that are really clear then we create the marketing plan as well. Um, so for anybody, and we do ghostwriting, content creation, all those different things too, but uh, those are marketing then, right? So first we do branding, then we do marketing of our, of our clients. Um, all of our packages work, the process, everything is outlined on our website. It's www.brandableader.com and uh, examples of the work that we've done, the types of people we have worked with. And it also shows you, if you look at the different people that we've worked with, that there are a lot of other misconceptions when it comes to the concept of building a brand. Oh, you have to be an extrovert. Oh, you have to really want to be on video. Oh, you have to be me, me, me and loud, loud, loud. No, there are a lot of very strong brands that are introverted brands. There are a lot of strong brands um, that don't put spotlight on themselves, but put spotlight on others, right? There's so many different approaches and ways to approach it. Um, but um, it all starts with, uh, with the process of the deep dive. Yes. Do you work with children? Is there a way that you're able to give this message to them so that it's planting a seed for the future? You know, I, um, I would hesitate to, and I'll tell you why really honestly, you know, when we do a deep dive, when we're really going through the process with clients, it often opens up a lot of um, doors into very personal things. Um, we're even to the point, Whitney, where sometimes I think, 
oh my God, I should be a licensed psychoanalyst um, because I'm (laughs) not quite sure how to properly deal with this right now and how not to trigger, how to, you know, properly respond, right? I often think that. Um, So with children, I would be so nervous to create more damage than not. However, what I think is really important to teach our children and especially our girls, because there is still that imbalance that we're noticing is to find their voice and scale the reach of their voice. That is really important. And of course, you know, as uh, luck would have it, when I had to see how this topic is so important to me and like having a voice and a loud voice. And when my daughter started growing up, I noticed that she was just the shyest, quietest little girl with like the like mini mouse quiet little voice. And the thing that I would see most frequently on her report cards is we want to hear her voice. She needs to and I'm like, oh, and so um, did a lot of work with her to not impose or you have to, but to inspire her. I brought her to a talk that I was doing so that she would see it. And, um, you know, last week she um, actually volunteered, nominated herself to run for class rep in her, oh, in her wow. class. She's 11 now. And it's a new school. She had been there. It's grade six, new school. She had been there for a whole lot of two and a half weeks by then. And she stood up, stood in front of the class and said, I might get teared up. Um, And she (laughs) said, as your class rep, I will make sure that not only my voice is heard, but that all of your voices are heard. I did not prepare that with her. We did not do a run through with her. And she was voted for (laughs) by kids who three weeks prior had no idea who she was. Um, So I think that as parents, as mothers, as citizens, we want to be inspiring our kids and telling them that their voices matter. And it doesn't matter if they're quiet or rambunctious or loud or this or what. They should have a voice. They should learn how to use it so that it's not just, you know, voice for the sake of it. Um, but I think that that's what we should be doing. That's something that I'm doing with my with my yeah. kids, that's for sure. She's obviously listening to her mama. Um, you must be really, really proud of that moment. And I cried. Yeah. I cried when she told me about her talk. I cried when she told me that she got voted for. Because you see, there's also that immigrant chip on the shoulder. Right. When I'm like, nobody would have voted for me, but they voted yeah. for you. You know, I felt yeah. so But her. because of your, your experience in that situation, you're able to transmit so much wisdom to her from your own journey of encountering difficulties with being able to express yourself and your, your voice. So that's pretty neat in my opinion. Thank you. So uh, I usually ask this question to wrap up the conversation. And it is, if your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? Oh, interesting question. Um, Can I have two? (laughs) Sure. Have as many as you like. (laughs) Well, I would have one and I would write censorship is evil. As I mentioned, that is one of my core values and I really want to communicate it. Um, You know, it's an important one to me. You know, one thing that I tell people is, um, you know, because I put myself out there quite a bit, I share a lot on social media. Not everybody likes what I have to say and I get criticized. I get called names, (laughs) like unpleasant words. And then people see it, they start messaging me saying, did you see what that person said? Mm. Delete the comment, erase it, block him or her. (laughs) And I can't, I can't block it. I can't delete it. Censorship is evil. So that comment on my wall that says that I'm a loser or anything else, (laughs) I have to keep it there. I can't delete it. Censorship is evil. Uh, So that would be number one. Number two would say, um, stand up, stand out, and be radically authentic. Mm. Yes. 
that's that's your personal branding right there on a billboard <laughs> it would be that's that's very important to me the concept of um, standing up uh, to be heard and be seen standing out um, because for so many years you know growing up in the Soviet Union everybody's the same everybody's in the same dull colors and everybody has to just fit in right the whole concept of socialism is that everybody's the same um, then trying to fit in uh, here as an immigrant until I realized the power of standing out and then of course being radically authentic I think that's extremely important you talked about authenticity before yeah. um, I think it's at the core of, uh, of, of everything and people over a long term can feel when somebody is not authentic and you can feel that you're not living an authentic life. So yeah. yeah, stand up, stand out and be radically authentic. Yeah. And I also feel that if we're not authentic, then it's going to be very challenging for us to move forward collectively and like solve all of the issues that are currently happening in the world. But I think it's also important to realize that when other people are being authentic, they might be vastly different from us mm -hmm. and hold vastly different opinions. And that's okay too. Yeah. I think that as a society, and I think, you know, with the whole cancel culture and everything that's happening, um, it concerns me quite a bit because to me, that's obviously censorship um, to everyone. But to me, it, it, it elicits a lot of memories and emotions. Um, and so I think that in the ideal world, we are holding space and allowing space for everybody to be authentic minus people who are propagating violence or criminals you know i don't know right. <laughs> certain certain subsets of criminals but other than that i think the world is beautiful if we disagree but we accept the possibility that we're all coming from a good place that right. we all mean well and that we're well-intentioned and we're, when we're saying be authentic it doesn't mean be my version of authentic i.e be nice and friendly and open etc and well-meaning etc some people are authentically donald trump personality right? right but that should be okay right so when i saw i don't know twitter or social media suppressing let's say uh tweets or social media messages from donald trump it bothered me even though i'm in no way a follower or you know a fan of donald trump and his policies or his personality i just feel it shouldn't matter i think that we're stronger with different voice voices our own ways have been authentic and if we allow space for that discussion and exchange of opinions and the lack of censorship of self or other i think we're all going to be better off i think so too yeah and to realize that we all are coming from the same place um, we just have different experiences that brought us to where we are indeed yes so thank you so much for joining me. Um, I will attach the links to all of your websites um, so people can find you and work with you. And if there's anything else that you would like to say, <laughs> this is your moment. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, I really want to say um, to all of the people who listened and are thinking, well, but do I have anything to say? Do I have a unique story? What's so special about me, my life, and my story? And I'm saying this because I hear it all the time. I want you to know that your voice matters, that you do have something in you that is worth sharing. You do have something in you that could inspire others. And hey, if we inspire one person, we don't have to think of how we can inspire a million people or a billion people. If we inspire one person, five people, 10 people, isn't that beautiful? If all of us wanted to inspire even just a handful of people, the world would be a more beautiful place. So I want to encourage everyone to accept that yes, you are unique. Yes, you have something unique to bring to the table. Yes, you have a voice worth scaling. And uh, just dig deep to uncover what it is before you start putting yourself out there. 
Yes, and even if you feel like you have the same message as someone, you are going to say it in a different way that someone might need to hear that will be able to receive it in a way that they wouldn't have been able to if, if you didn't say it. So agree with you and you might be relatable to another group of people right or maybe the same group of people and then they hear the same message from different places and it reaffirms the message right um, but I think most importantly I think that we'll live a more authentic life again to the concept of authenticity when we are fully expressing who we are and expressing our um, you know our thoughts and our core beliefs again not necessarily every opinion needs to be expressed at scale I already shared that but our core beliefs, our core values, things that really we're passionate about are worth being talked about. Yeah, that seems almost uh, like creating boundaries as if you were maybe in the beginning of a relationship, like don't reveal all of everything about you. Um, keep some of it to yourself to protect yourself. Indeed. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time... Stay tuned in to you.